0: Last time on Video Night. I'm a big old And now.
1: Video Night. Hello,
0: Michael. Oh, not again. The robot's back. What am I gonna do? It's a
1: totally different robot this time. Oh, God, now
0: you're even more robotic. It's like you're dehumanizing, Andrew. I'm sorry.
1: Beep boop, beep boop, bop. Do you like my synthetic vocal cords? Uh, no. <laughs> synthetic, synthetic. Bulk old cars I've been watching a lot of kids in the hall and I just felt like I was just channeling a Bruce oh, actually yes. uh what is a kid's <laughs> name you dress as him for Halloween uh Gavin <laughs> Gavin yeah what it was is I was just wearing a baseball shirt and I had just come in from outside and I was wearing that hat <laughs> which is a trucker hat and the hat that I was wearing is orange and it said mud Toad motors on it but Albie's like Andrew you you know what you look like I was like me I don't know what and she's like pulls up a phone Photo of him, and it's Gavin, kids in the hall, the little Uh kid with the backpack. So I went and I was like, Hold on, hold on, hold on a minute. I got a backpack and I did that whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) Now that's my there they uh
0: okay so for me Halloween by the time this posts this it'll be post Halloween so I'll say this everybody at work they choose a theme to dress up as this year it's villains and every year they bug me to dress up and I'm like <clears throat> guys do you have any idea how badly I sweat at work I can't wear a costume and besides I can't I have glasses and it's very very hard for me to find any costumes that will allow you to have glasses let alone villains and I mm. was like maybe dr venture in the right viewpoint he could be seen as a villain I guess
1: Okay. I would
0: prefer to be the Monarch, but, <laughs> The uh, Monarch! Doug
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, but, just, So what are no, you landing on? No, I'm not doing anything. What did you land on? Every year. Nothing? Every year Okay, I how about do. this? Steve... Steve Buscemi's character in Con Air. That's an easy one. Oh
0: yes, but then I have to explain it, and I hate doing that too. One year, <laughs> one, year Dude.
1: I, one year
0: I dressed as one of the cheesy cops from Sabotage, and I spent the entire night going, "No, it's it's a cheesy seventies cop from its show. I'm just trying to do a parody." No, it's not. Uh, did the same thing the year before where I dressed up as Robin Hood, but the bow was so friggin' big because I chose a long bow, obviously, and <laughs> I got ca- I got caught on everything.
1: Are you a Lego lost?
0: So I no no. Are you, no. so you lot I got caught on everything, so I took it off, and I walked around the entire day, and everybody goes, Are you Link? I was like, Pete. no, Robin Hood, damn it.
1: Are so you Peter Pan? Link doesn't have the goatee that I do. Come on. <laughs> well, what the heck was all that synthetic voice thing about? Why did I try to have some sort of bit to lead because in you're the a show cold,
0: disconnected robot you're dead oh shut up stop
1: you always got the wrong answer <laughs> i do <laughs> Synthwave. Synthwave. <laughs> is that what you say now like you're totally <laughs> hip you're like some smoldering cool blade runner-esque guy at a portland bar and somebody comes up and they ask you what you do and you're like i'm a synthwave wave artist <laughs> I was
0: being Sylvester from Looney Tunes, but alright, I don't know where you got the... Is this what hipsters are to you in Portland? Is this what you view us as? Yes. Okay. No,
1: not really. Portland doesn't seem so sci-fi. Uh, no,
0: every day is Halloween. Every Ugh. single effing day is... Don't
1: get me started! Yeah. Halloween lost its luster because of that. Yes. Whereas Salem is the hey, I
0: don't even know how a bike lane works. I barely wore pants today. Where am I again? I'm on meth. That's and we're the uh, <laughs> the southern, much hated, despicable brother of Portland. Ah, I see, I see. Uh, so you know what, so you know what you, this town is you filled should... with, though? You know what this town is filled with? What
1: thieves? Tons of thieves. Thieves? Thieves? Like the first movie that we're going to talk about? Thieves. Yes,
0: that was the worst. I worked at. I sweated that segment. <laughs> yeah, I saw. <laughs>
1: You you, uh, you have a bunch of sawdust all over the place. So, Thief! Tonight, his take-home pay is $410,000. Tax-free. I am, uh, like no one you have ever known before. Come on! I am.
0: They gotta be big scores, they gotta be fast. I'll make you a millionaire in four months.
1: If they don't run me, and you don't run me. James Khan Thief, rated R. Have you seen it before?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I oh, yeah, it. definitely, yeah. Yes, I am many... a classy dame, I will tell you this. Yeah, I saw it about 20 years ago, I think. is when I started to go... You know the story I told you about how I used to work in Fort Wayne? I used to drive a half hour to work at Blockbuster, even though I was a recent college graduate, and I should have worked in my field. No, I'm a dummy. But across the street was a Hastings, which had the biggest collection of weirdo VHS. Yes, I know I worked at Blockbuster. But they always kept, like, the normal stuff. I would go across the street to Hastings to get the stuff that was kind of out of print, forgotten. And for some reason, we didn't have Thief, even though it was a hit, you know, and had James Yeah. I rented it from there. But that's when I started renting all this, like, late 70s, early 80s movies that we didn't carry across the street. And I was truly fascinated by this. But I think I enjoy it more now as an adult.
1: Yes. Well, I hadn't seen it. It was just one of those that I just slept on, right? I guess that's the term. Y'all been sleeping on this in, well, I was sleeping on that. It just seemed like one of those movies, you know, I guess 8 million ways to die or something. Black Rain. I saw Black Rain, though, eventually. These kinds of... 80s uh, gritty crime dramas that aren't necessarily the kinds that make me feel miserable. That's reserved for the 70s. But it kind of well, it definitely fit the era of pre-gentrified New York or whatever, whatever yeah. city. Well, now. no, no. This is Chicago. That's Chicago? Okay. Yes. Well, still pre-pretified. So it really, really works in this film because he does some incredible atmosphere stuff with the camera. But the primary reason why we're talking about it is because Tangerine Dream did the music for it. Yeah. This, I would
0: would say, is probably the first of what you consider the synthwave.
1: Well, yes, yes, I would agree. Except for synthesizers were being used in a lot of things No, I mean the style. Because there's sorcerer
0: and stuff like that. But no, I'm talking the aesthetic that you think of with synthwave. Synthwave wasn't a thing until like, you know, eight years ago.
1: Right, so this was 1981 when Thief came out. When did Blade Runner come out? 82. 82, right. So that's Evangelist. that's also somewhat synthwave, but it's a very different take and slower and more... Yeah, well, uh, more, it's... Uh... Let, let, let's talk about the cliches
0: or not the cliches, but the things you look for in what you consider a synthwave movie is usually neon. It's almost like a future noir kind of feel the way they light it. Usually ambiguous characters at best. You, um, most of the time they're usually all criminals. Then we have synthwave score of course. And then it's a lot about like, it takes place at night for a lot of, a lot of these movies are usually shot at night.
1: Well, you need neon lights. You need just off-source lights. So like lights that you don't know where the source is coming from so they're like beams illuminating certain things. Uh, so there's stark shadows, it's like a noir, but with lights and neon is a very big deal, right? Now, so what is neo noir? Neo noir, this would be a neo noir, actually. Okay, so but this, noir, is, but this is like noir, you know, a, a more boiled down, like. A
0: skewed version of... No, like? film
1: noir itself is black and white crime dramas. Or crime action, I guess, if there were. Yeah. But, well, that is, uh, it doesn't they, necessarily they, mean
0: that it's black and white. Though, yes, it does. It, it film does it noir because I thought... Well, I thought that was just the way to use white. lighting. I'm not sure
1: it's no, it, true. It, yeah, film noir because it's black and white needs to be black and white. However, people just started using film noir liberally and applying it to a type of crime story. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Like gumshoe or seedy underbelly well, um, sort of thing. Well,
0: John McTiernan said that he shot Die Hard
1: that looked like a film noir. Uh, he failed <laughs> <laughs> no You're i failed. see it i see it in the beginning when he's in
0: the office there's a lot of the uses of uh, shadows of light okay
1: like from the venetian blinds sort of thing yes yeah
0: okay. that kind of thing well even joe dante uses it in the howling and even his segment of the twilight zone where it has a lot of that kind of look
1: where he manipulates light uh, to give it a certain look twi- well i don't know i don't know i don't know about that well we got um, off on a tangent I, I understand. This, is, this no this i understand genre, what you mean.
0: This is a genre that I don't know that well, even though I feel like, as as I've gotten older, and this is going to throw you off because I usually like the mainstream, you know, ah, give me some more popcorn kind of BS. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I, I have a strong predilection towards crime movies, and it's been getting stronger and stronger since my uh, early 20s.
1: Yeah, the older you get, it's the more mature stories you want, it seems. At least that's my Yeah, but experience. I don't watch normal
0: dramas, though. It's the crime stuff, and I have to look for certain things. I don't particularly like mob movies, but right. I do like... If you want to classify it as the cops and robbers kind of thing, not buddy cop, but cops and robbers, like to uh, live and die in L.A. and Heat and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. OK. So you just mentioned Heat, which is also done by Michael Mann. Michael Mann worked a lot earlier on with Tangerine Dream. He even he did a movie, The Keep, with them, which still hasn't seen a director's cut. Yeah, which I've never seen needs that Needs the director's cut. I like it, but it's needs a director's cut or else it just absolutely doesn't make any sense. But you're right. The thief story, that seems to be the launching point for this synthwave. At least what everybody's memory is, and they these are people who hadn't seen this when they were kids. So there's this false nostalgic memory. It's an invented thing. I forget there might be a yeah. term for it, but it's what a, ta- it's ta- a collective invention. This. Yeah, it's a collective it's like invention.
0: Uh, memory like five years ago is when you said like synthwave what we think of like synthetic music in retrospect is different than usually what we saw in the movies a lot of it isn't that heart pounding constant right. yeah so and same thing with like stranger things seems to be boiled down we talked about this the other day with a friend of mine is it's taking all of these little moments of the 80s from all these very particular movies and then just taking them and making this whole new thing out of it and then
1: you say well this is what movies are like back then i was like no it wasn't nope <laughs> no, nope, not really. There are there are elements and themes, but they are not quite the same. And the thing that makes them what they are back then is having been made back then by people back then. Yeah, it was of its time. But Carpenter came along also in eighty two. In eighty two, with the thing, and he did his synthwave score with the thing. Is Ennio Morricone and him? So he did uh, the opening theme with the like. that stuff the very foreboding stuff and Inio did the rest of it and escape from new york right, stuff right like or the the halloween three the opening of that is Right. I, what I notice is a lot of this stuff really mimics the state of the human heart. So there's oh. the resting, there's the quiet, dun-dun-dun-dun. And then there's the more exciting stuff where it's like a, a more pulsing, more pounding, quicker tempo to it. But it's a human heart reflection, it seems. Which is interesting and, and a way to make a scene exciting, if even if the scene isn't actually exciting. So, Thief, I do like. I... Didn't know if I would like it, but I do like it. I learned something. This big rod that they used to crack the safe is a steel-melting rod. Oh. So they they pump oxygen through that big, long, hollow steel. So they have to cut the end off of it. Uh-huh. They cut the end off of it with a blowtorch. And it also ignites the oxygen at the end. Oh, wow. Okay. And then they can just burn through all the metal. Yeah, that's what... I was what, like, what... what is that thing?! Yeah, it's, so it's to... the thing the thing that he
0: does with uh, a lot of his movies, which I think seemed kind of revolutionary with this film, was he got into the deep details. Like, it mm-hmm. seems like he really did his research. And what's, what's the guy, Dennis Farina, was yeah. a consultant on this who would tell him about crime cases and stuff like that and help him with it. And He was also becoming... a dude...
1: He's one of the guys who gets shot at the end with yeah. the machine gun. I think it's
0: kind of like the way Drive is, and Drive is the one that's responsible for re- you know, like reinvigorating this type of film. Yeah. There's a long wait. You get to know the characters. It's not as pensive. There's not these long slow-mo sequences. But a lot of scenes, I mean, they literally sit in the diner, I think, for ten minutes having a conversation. And you wait, and, and you build up all these relationships, and the fact it gets down to the details of how a crime is committed, and how they're gonna do it, I think it makes it worth it when it finally does explode at the end, because because you wait a long time well, for the action.
1: The clever thing about the planning of the crime and all that stuff and what it goes into it is these two characters are talking to each other. They know exactly what they're talking about and we don't. They never turn to us and say, oh, audience, sorry. I forgot that you were there. Here's actually what we're talking about. No, they don't bother with that. Yeah. That's good. I like that because I'm not being talked down to. Right, and also they drop
0: bits and pieces, and it's up to you to add it all up. The whole Willie Nelson thing, it takes you a little bit to really gather what's going on. Just little bits and pieces where it starts to flow together, where he talks about his previous life, you know, before he met her. Things like that, I really like those little details that are slowly dropped in but it doesn't tell you everything it's you have to actually
1: have to do you know some homework some deep thinking mm-hmm. and Tuesday Weld being added to the cast as the love interest that was a very strange relationship from the get-go because he's flirting with her just like making eyes she makes eyes at him he stands her up on accident meets her at the club and then she's totally mad and then he forces her to go to a diner where they have a very long very negotiation style conversation about their lives and once you get past the initial negotiation part they start to actually loosen up and actually talk about their own lives to each other. And it's huge. It's a very long scene. And it doesn't get boring. Yeah. And it's not Cassavetes style either. No, or, or, arguments. or you, like
0: Link, uh, like Linklater, you know, where it's just like, you know, like, like before Sunrise, where it's just kind of like this rambling, and as it goes on, you slowly... Re- I don't know. It, it just felt different than anything I've really seen. I wish Michael Mann would have... Stayed kind of in this form, but I think as he got more successful and the budgets got bigger, that uh, it just seemed like it started to fall apart. Black Hat is unwatchable to me. Miami Vice, oh, everybody's like, oh, it's so I've much better. I've seen Black than Hat. Like, I
1: actually, I don't think Black Hat's terrible, no, I just, but uh, there is a director's cut that's supposed to be much better. However, Miami Vice is annoying, and Heat is apparently a return to this kind of movie. Yeah. The, so,
0: well, it's 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 sad. His career is so strange because he keeps going back to television, and it's because he gets like these ruts where the movies are unsuccessful and then he you know he you know does that for a while and comes back and the only thing I'm mad about him is the whole digital video thing. His movies cost like ninety million dollars and they just look bad. They visually barf. I
1: just no. <laughs> but they they didn't in the in the first half of his career. No, they look they beautiful. Looked...
0: I mean, the the way he sets yeah. up shots. And it, yes, he. I would say he probably influenced a little bit. Like you know, the action sequences are a little peck and paw-ish. But he still films in a very coherent fashion. I would rather have that than the shaky cam that we suffer from now.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. So thief. It's a first-time watch for me, and yeah. I appreciate the film.
0: Were you surprised by Prosky at all? Prosky was just when well, he's flipped like that. You thought he was like, like a just. I mean, they're all they're low rent criminals, but his forcefulness—this little doughy old man with glasses—and he is just a right. vicious, vicious beast.
1: Yeah, he was disgusting. Actually. Yeah, yeah, like his threats were. Oh God! Very, yeah, very. Ugh. Yep. They, they just gross so, I mean you can see through it because they, they cast the perfect actor for that because he is a delightful chubby doughy guy in most of his other roles and then you see this one he uses that at the beginning and then the turn which you see a mile away You not even a mile you see at the introduction of the character you know that this guy's gonna turn but once he does it's gross it like it, the threats that he makes are sickening mm-hmm. and when he gets it you're so, like oh thank guy just <laughs> yeah so the next film is from 1987 right yep no man's land ted varick he likes the speed he likes the danger i always steal portions oh. Charlie Sheen. Your turn, Bill. Dee Dee Sweeney. I'm gonna partner you with the best guy I got. You're the expert. Oh! Ted, he's a cop. Tell me something I don't know. Crossing the line into no man's land showtime, folks. No Man's Land Rated R. Now, I hemmed it
0: hot a little bit about this because there were a few other in the genre around this time. The reason I chose No Man's Land is, to me, it feels like it's the end of that era. You did mention Black Rain, but it doesn't yeah. It doesn't feel like it's full-on in that genre. No. no Man's Land seems like the last one where it really had those what we typically, like we mentioned before, the, the stereotypes of synthwave. That, I think, is the last one.
1: Oh, also, it's very inspiring. Oh, Dick Wolf was at the time, he's the writer of No Man's Land. He at the time was the showrunner of Miami Vice. Ruined the show. Ugh
0: god whatever
1: what you don't say don't yeah i say season, this is when he the took over, la yeah. aesthetic of miami vice as opposed to the miami aesthetic of miami vice yeah. so this is kind of like la vice yeah but i want to say when he took over in season three when they got rid of michael
0: mann is when the show fell apart for me at least i have no attention span for these low budget drawn out character pieces they're just generic crime cases it just
1: lost all its energy and fun and uh you can see all- when was when was the fat boys fat on? boys like just in general they were on a miami oh. Vice
0: episode. oh i don't know actually i don't know i mean they blew okay. up they blew up in 87 and then it was like 87 to 89 was like their big period well maybe a little bit because like, they had to have done disorderly somewhere in there
1: they were in a 1984 movie which half of the movie is about them Crush groove
0: I have never seen this movie.
1: What? I know.
0: We, t- I, I mentioned this to someone. I was like, me and Andrew have never done like the hip-hop movies of the 80s. It seems like i okay. I mean, they're not good, for the most oh, part. Oh, Crush Groove is I don't, good. Okay, maybe it is. For, but I was the like, part. there's Rappin'. We did Break-In, though. Technically, we did Break-In. We did Break-In, uh, yeah. There's Rappin', and then there was uh, Tougher Than Leather, Beat Street or something. like well, that. Street. Let's not do this. Beat Street, <laughs> Beat,
1: Street, Beat Street is a pretty dang good one, too. They're, it's drama. But my point is... Miami Vice Dick Wolf Dick Wolf adapted some of the style from Miami Vice and applied it to this movie yes. full disclosure don't quite like this movie
0: no I'm not completely on board but there's things that I really enjoy about it
1: man uh, I don't know you're not completely on board but for years you've been talking about this I movie. have but I watched it again recently and I was like if Charlie
0: Sheen gave half a crap <laughs> I think it would be better
1: <laughs> okay I
0: think it's a problem well he did four movies in one year and I get the feeling that this was probably the last of those four and he was exhausted you know like, let's just get this done. I signed on to too much crap. Oh, really? Boy, he was I-
1: exhausted while being high
0: on Coke. Was he high the on Coke
1: back then in '87? Probably. I don't know. I don't know. It's true. He has all that booty he was getting, he's exhausted from it. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> really, we gotta address the elephant in the plot, which is. Is this the very first version of this story?
0: Oh, yeah, I thought about that because, you know, Point Break and Fast and Furious, where it's basically the guy goes undercover and has trouble with that line and uh,
1: befriends the villain. I think so. I can't, re- I can't think of any others. Hmm. It's totally like he's got a boss and the boss is like, you've got to do this. And he's put undercover. D.B. Sweeney's put undercover. <clears> Hold <throat> <clears> on. <throat>
0: crack a, <clears throat> as my sister would say, D-B-Sweeney.
1: <laughs> really? No, no, says, we, do, we
0: do it to each other all the time. We'll look at each other and go, Debe Sweeney. Okay. <laughs> that is strictly for her. All right, cool. <laughs> you weirdos.
1: Couple of weirdos. Debe Sweeney. <laughs> I don't know why. I'll, <laughs> I'll no stop. stop. <laughs> continue. I'll stop. <laughs> so D.B. Sweeney's a rookie cop. He's put undercover as a car thief to crack a porsche stealing car ring now i just want to say like that's really limiting your prospects that you're only stealing porsches but i think in 1987 porsches were such a big deal among these stupid yuppies yep it was so they were just like because yeah porsches yeah instead of like the gone in 60 seconds style thing right where it's like any kind of badass car it's Gonna be Porsches, yeah,
0: but how expensive
1: are Porsches? I'm, I'm just trying to think of
0: it now. The cars that were popular during this era, they're not gonna go for Mercedes because that's too stiff. And Lamborghinis seem like they're way too expensive, but also stick out like a sore thumb. What other? Right. How much is a Porsche in comparison to like those really high end?
1: You know, like a. Hold on, let me get out my calculator and my almanac of prices from the past. Almanac. I can't Do you not know answer. how these things <laughs> I can't answer okay. I was just curious if they're like You're...
0: it seems like the kind of thing that's like around a hundred thousand. dollars well, Yeah that was a
1: sports almanac okay. in Back to the Future. No, that's true. There's gotta be some sort of like car price uh, for some almanac. Reason,
0: I thought the almanac's
1: all was I was that do Kelly Blue Book. Barbs, I'm Kelly sorry. Blue Book, thank you. <laughs> I guess it's not an almanac. I don't know things. <laughs> let's okay, see Michael? how the
0: farm is gonna do, but let's also check the prices of our sports car, Martha. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we need to soup up that thresher. Maybe get a Porsche engine. What
0: are we even talking about,
1: man? <laughs> We have devolved into nonsense. So this movie, though, is uh, you've seen, and we've—I'm talking to the audience now, not you, Michael. Okay. You've seen Point Break, and you've seen Fast and the Furious One. Mm, what is this? Fast and you've seen the remake movie? of Point Break. So this is like the beta test for that plot. And since it's failed, um, it's clearly the beta max of this. Do you like the the story? Do you think that it, uh-huh. or is it just old now? No, well, by the time oh, well, that you wait, revisited well, it, no,
0: no. Well, see, okay, revisit. It's fine. I saw this in 1990 so it still seemed really fresh and new. I didn't even think about it though. That's the funniest thing is I'd seen it and when I saw Point Break, like what eight, two years later, I didn't even think about it. I, I was like, this doesn't sound familiar at all. And I didn't think about when I saw Fast and Furious. Like, when I saw Fast and Furious, I go, "Oh, huh, I liked this the first time and it was called Point Break. <laughs> and just,
1: You're right, that's what everybody said. Yeah, No Man's but Land really? is so Really? It's No Man's Land.
0: Yeah, it's what? Well, yeah, I
1: mean I think it's kind of uh, almost remember we do this every once in a while, you, you drop a slightly TV direction directed movie in our lap yeah i know it's kind of tv looking right it's it's not very yeah good.
0: it's it's not i don't know who the director of this is but i don't remember him being like one of those guys that's well known for his vision
1: it's a visually it's a step above dead heat you know what i mean yes
0: I, you know, when I talk about the synthwave music, this is also weird because it mixes that in with... Um, oh, who did the music for? Is it James Horner? Uh, the, he did the music for Commando. It has that almost like island feel to it as
1: well. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, the band that's featured in the movie is the Untouchables, which is a soul-slash-ska band that was previously featured as the Scooter Gang in Repo Man. Okay. They have "Free Yourself" and when they're playing that on stage, that's the song that they're playing.
0: Wow. Okay, this guy directed a ton of movies. Oh, all of them TV movies, most part. But don't cry, ah, don't cry. It's only thunder, which is a Vietnam movie with. Uh, I know Dennis that one. Christopher Prisoners, which yes. I've never heard of. It's a New Zealand... Oh, he's a New Zealand director. Is that what I'm looking at? Yeah. Everything else though is basically a TV movie. So I guess that's why kind of has that. Look. It feels yeah. like that. Okay then. Oh, Basil Palladorus right. did the music. I don't think he did the music for yeah uh, Commando though. But it has that feel to it where he's kind of mixing up the synth with um, island sounds. Which I it, well, I think a lot of. People people think of los angeles during the 80s as almost being exotic
1: it's beachy yeah which actually goes along also with the miami thing because miami is a true beach yeah. city so that's that so I, I as far as the score goes i don't think it's as dynamic or as uh, i guess cinematic as The. The, uh, but it definitely is is a, a synth that I, I think that if people these synth wave nerds saw this movie, they might be influenced by it. Right?
0: You know, the thing I think that another problem is this isn't just that Charlie Sheen; it seems like he's tired. As much as I like DB Sweeney, he is one of those guys that seems like a TV bland. Kind of lead. He doesn't seem like a movie lead, and that drags it down a bit. I think this might be his first movie too, which is interesting.
1: Hmm. Maybe.
0: And then we got we got uh, Charlie Sheen and uh, Randy Quaid back together again a year later after The Wraith with another car movie, and uh, he's another right. Cop. But
1: I like The Wraith more, oh, yeah. and The Wraith seems more suited for a synthwave soundtrack. Yeah, instead of the heavy metal. Yeah, actually, yes. So that's funny. The guy I don't like. The guy metal who shot this,
0: cinematographer, is a cinematographer on Rocketeer which I'm kind of surprised. It, they looked so wildly different. Right. Okay,
1: so... He learned He learned something I, in between I times. still
0: say this is worth a watch. It's not great, but it's also interesting because it's kind of the last of... Oh my god, really? When they re-released it on DVD they added the tagline, Fast, Furious, and Deadly.
1: Oh yeah, I read the synopsis, nice. and that's the <laughs> first <laughs> sentence of the synopsis, and I'm like Ha! Boy, do those people who are putting this out know. Yep. Nobody else does, but yeah. It's also the movie of the template where the bad guy doesn't get away yeah it's... that's the change so those other two Bodie and dom or whatever his name is they get away at the end here nope he gets killed all right let's get to the good so, ones i mean the, the other boys are good but i mean these i these next
0: two i I'm absolutely fascinated.
1: 2014 brings us the guest my name is david this is peterson i uh, i knew your son caleb we trained together and served
0: together One of the things he asked was for me to check on y'all. You want me? Yes, sir. He specifically wanted me to tell each one of you that he loved you, and he was thinking of you guys up until the end. I said I'd do that, and so... Here I am. I want you to show me who hit you yesterday. What are you going to do? Nothing bad. No one outside the circle can know that any of our subjects are
1: still active. How do you do that? You get used to it. You wouldn't happen to have seen anyone resembling this man, would you? He's not David Collins, okay? We don't know who he is. When was the last time you saw him? He just went inside. Who are you? I'm a friend of the family. Those kids at school, they look bigger than you. Yeah. You go around their
0: houses at night and burn them down with their families inside. What's the worst they can do?
1: Yeah, okay. It's a Halloween movie. Do you consider The Guest a horror movie? Ooh.
0: God, it almost feels like a almost a sci-fi. Like if Universal Soldier went wrong. Well, no, yeah, it does go I've wrong. Seen, what am I talking no.
1: about? <laughs> no. Universal Soldier went way wrong. By the way, I did a double feature of this movie and Universal Soldier oh, back to back. Yeah. So I did The Guest first and then Universal Soldier. Elby had never seen Universal Soldier so I showed her. How there. did that go? And <laughs> Well, I mean, it was fine. She's like, it's fine. Dolph, she kind Dolph of, is like, the reason glazed. to watch that movie for sure. She glazed over a bit because the years haven't been too kind to Universal Soldier. If it was made now with the same script not necessarily the same performances in fact those actors would do far better now universal soldier would be a much better movie hopefully without all the shaky cam sort of action camp they probably would do some john wick stuff and pull back and whatever so kind of that's my dream for the old movie to be remade in the best possible way but it's never going to happen never it'll be a tv series brown spike (laughs) spike starring lorenzo Lamas and uh (laughs) uh frank (laughs) uh frank grillo i don't know No, Frank Grilla is much better Maybe than that. I don't know why I said um, that. I'm sorry. But the guest, yes, the plot is a universal soldier type program. And there's one guy that goes AWOL. And eventually when they track him down, they being the special ops unit that comes after him, all the poo hits the fan. Now, what's so great about this? Two things that are really great about this. The music is good. It's actually the, twofold. So, three things maybe. The score is a synth wave score. That's really good. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack, separate from the score, the one with all the songs by artists, that is really good. It's mostly dark wave music. Clan of Zymox. <laughs> Loving Rockets.
0: Haunted
1: by stuff like that. That's some really good stuff. It's what people who are truly goth in the best possible way would listen to. Not the Hot Topic goths. That's the soundtrack. And it's just totally like the the girl makes a mixtape for him and that's basically the whole soundtrack and she's like I'm totally cool (laughs) here listen to the CD I'm totally better than everybody that's like uh, actually LB was like uh, whoever put the soundtrack together is just bragging (laughs) (laughs) so I think this was a hit I'm looking
0: at this I thought this was a hit
1: oh it is it's it's an indie hit it's totally is it
0: well the box office was 5 million or 2 million on a 5 million dollar budget I really thought it made like 25 million dollars I don't know why I thought this was
1: the hit maybe maybe blu-rays sold really well but this was a very beloved movie yeah it's just i like whoever's seen it likes yeah. it yeah now dan stevens is the other reason why this movie is superb oh, i yes, guess amazing there's more reasons like first the, like the director this is probably his first really great movie i like
0: your next actually quite
1: a bit sure but this is better than that
0: oh definitely yes
1: right and then he did Blair Witch which is also not as great as this so this is his I would say crowning achievement even if it's it's his Pinkerton maybe if, if you're going to go by Weezer metaphors so you're I you're going to stop did, liking so. his movies immediately then <laughs> after the, after this movie I'm going to not like them the we talk about I, this I'm and, gonna and hope. I think you're right yes. Weezer
0: I'm like oh no they held out wait hold on a second let me revisit these albums no you're, yeah they got three or four good ones <laughs> and the table. But,
1: but what it <laughs> is is I'm going to hold out hope for his movies to meet this standard well Godzilla vs. Kong is next oh well I'm excited for that because I like Kong, and I like the last Godzilla movie more he than did, the previous. Did you watch
0: Death Note? So. He did Death Note after this. I haven't seen that
1: one. I did see it actually. It's not terrible. It does still not as good as this yeah. one. But this Dan Stevens was a pudgy pudge He was a doughy was boy.
0: Was he? I've never seen him he before was this.
1: Downton Abbey. He was one of the <laughs> side characters. I mean, this the show is sprawling with characters. Yeah. Oh, I so know. He was My one sister of these... has a
0: bag with the entire cast on it, and. um it's 20
1: feet long yeah point point him out in that picture and you'll find that he's a little pudgy okay so when he got the job he's like i'm gonna shape up and he went through a boot wait a second he shaped up (laughs) they
0: gave him the job before he was in shape what if that i'm pretty i'm pretty sure he
1: had actually i don't think that he actually got as in shape he had lost weight for a previous work okay but it was post-Downton Abbey and pre-The Guest. So he'd lost weight for a previous work, and then he got the job, and then he beefed up a little bit. Between those two projects is a polar change. Yeah. And, boy, is he sexy. Charming is hell. And I'm not, right? I am. will no, do him. I'll yeah, you said tra- right charming. Spoiler alert, everybody. We said universal soldier, and there's only one soldier here, and that's him. He's the one that goes bad. He is the villain of the story. But is he not the most charming villain you'll ever meet? Yeah, you go along he this totally ride, is. but it's
0: like this weird temptation thing because you know there's something just not right. And you're waiting for something, but you don't expect that. I mean, I, had not- I knew nothing right. about this movie before I rented it.
1: When did you rent it originally? Oh, um,
0: well, you know what? No, 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 no. It was a video store that was going out of business about four years ago, and I uh, picked it up uh, for like two bucks.
1: Okay. You knew nothing about it except for this like kind of, smoldering guy on the cover with yeah well the cover
0: just looked cool and then I read I looked at the back it had like four stars and all this you know amazing reviews and I was like oh, two bucks whatever
1: yeah so okay I love his jacket in this movie it's a navy blue jacket black collar black cuffs it's totally I'm a jacket dude and I live in South Texas where you don't need a jacket <laughs> Sucks. dude there's days where you don't need your flesh it's so hot just peel it right off the muscle. <laughs> You know, we've been forced to become nudists. Yes, now here,
0: Here, this is hoodie country. You would have a wide array of great jackets.
1: Yeah, I miss the whole weather thing so I can have a jacket. But also, I would have too many jackets. That's the thing. I like so many different kinds of jackets. Anyway, this guy's jacket is really nice. It's really cool. They dress him really nicely. But the part that's super sexy, and I'm addressing on the show right now, and this is hilarious because it is totally shot with the female gaze in mind. You realize there's a such thing as a female gaze, right? There's definitely male gaze. I don't know.
0: I feel like every movie I watch yeah. is shot with a old white man who's clueless. <laughs>
1: alright, alright. A lot of movies, you know, Porky's Through Now, yes, gross, whenever barf. they show a, a naked girl or like freaking spring breakers oh wait no right? no so there, i know what you're talking about belly girl there's belly girl is shot with yeah. that eye so so there's this this camera that just moves over the dancing bodies or whatever whatever pretty girl it is it just lingers on her that's called the male gaze right mm-hmm. so a lot of people hate that and a lot of people that hate that let's just refer to twitter people they yell at it they scream and rant about it the male gaze and then when they talk about the guest, they immediately talk about how hot Dan Stevens is without his clothes on and just a towel around his waist and his glistening, water-soaked body. They get all lusty about this dude. And why not? It's actually, he's presented that yep. way. Just like the women in previous films are presented. It's for that purpose. And and why not? Actually, you and I just said he's so sexy. Duh. He is. Yep. But... Like, also, the, the the kicker is that he's just so sexy like a himbo, like how they use Chris Hemsworth in Ghostbusters yeah. 16, <laughs> right? They use him like a himbo. They don't use him like a himbo here. This is a complicated character, and charming is all get out. Just to reiterate the point earlier.
0: Now, is he naturally charming, or is this part of his skill set that he manipulates
1: and uses people with that? Oh, you're talking about the character, yes. or... Stevens. Well, hello. (laughs) I don't know the difference. I think actually Stevens is a charming fellow. But turned up to that degree, and with the slight Texas drawl that he has, because he does, the guy who helped uh, do the boot camp training also helped him with his accent. And that was slight... Texan. And uh, that really adds a lot to the charming presentation that he has. Now, I would say, he's probably already charming, but it's it's a tool that he's used in order to get closer to situations, because basically, he's an asset, right? He's like a spy. He's like a government point-and-shooter. But he broke, somehow, <laughs> went to a wall, and now he's using his whole toolbox, because remember, he's killing everybody by the end. Oh yes, it's insane. And it, by the way, the sequences are shot so well. A- and R- Riddick is like... Like he's using everything within his training and toolbox, basically, in order to achieve his goal. And whatever that goal is, is to not be stopped. He doesn't actually have a, a set goal. I don't. Re- we don't really know why. That's his. This is why it's a little bit like a Jason Voorhees situation. He's rogue. You don't know why he's doing what he does. Mm-hmm. By the end of the movie, you still don't know. You just know that he's. A government asset that goes rogue. Is there something
0: supernatural about him, by the way? Does he have some sort of, not supernatural, but like something no. advanced? Because I, I, the way he walks away at the end, I, it was actually a surprise to me.
1: It is advanced. It is like a universal soldiers type thing. It definitely So he is. can heal? I don't know or, how he can heal. I don't know to w- what degree.
0: Or is it one of those things where they can block their mind out from the pain and keep going?
1: Yeah, probably something like okay. that. But it's definitely universal soldiery. And the guy that he was saying is his friend from the war was part Part of the same program. That's how he knew it, where to go and meet these this family, gotcha. this grieving family.
0: How does he die? I that, can't remember. How does anyway. he die? Does he? Is he responsible for killing their their son?
1: Uh, no. At least I never considered that.
0: Yeah, because just because he tells that's you what happens doesn't mean it's the truth.
1: Hmm. That's Maybe that's why he's a, why he's rogue.
0: Why he's on the run? Hmm. I gotta watch this movie. Again. Yeah, that,
1: yeah, you this do. This is the only one I did well, revisit recently. Though I did watch it, oh, it six okay. months ago.
0: I figured I remembered it, but
1: Okay. Yeah, I've I've seen it twice in a week. What? So Well L B put it yeah, on last okay. night. I am not gonna argue with yeah. that, it's worth it. <laughs> you remember she she's writing an article for Grumpy. Oh about it
0: right weird boners (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: it's one of those okay so uh from yes that was appropriate weird boners to the next title which has to do with some disgusting boners but they're thankfully off camera thank god cold in july don't miss cold in july i hear you got you one last night it's not something i'm proud of luke detective agency how far do you want to take this use my family as bait. I don't want to know why. Alright boys, howdy duty time.
0: Cold in July. Holy shit, this is the best one in the bunch. I am blown away by this movie every single time. I keep seeing things I didn't see before. The nuance. First up,
1: oh talk about the music first. Because this is something that you do not expect out of a movie written by Joe R. Lansdale. Yeah.
0: This movie is such a weird twist of things that you don't expect. Okay, first off, most of these wave movies take place in the city. This one doesn't. It takes place in, like, some small town in Texas it's
1: a now the other one arguably didn't take place in a city either but oh right yes you're right okay it was halloweenish and it had an aesthetic that worked for it like they still had neon lights and stuff they had excuses for that let's go to a party let's go to a bar let's go to this and that but definitely do not expect it in rural texas What's well, also
0: like you said the people who do it you have Joe R. Lansdale, who did things like I think the most famous thing is probably Bubba Ho Tep. Yes, Bubba Ho Tep. You know what's weird is I looked him up and I didn't realize that he wrote so many comic books and that he did a ton of cartoon stuff before he broke out.
1: A cartoon? Yeah, he, I had no he idea. wrote for
0: Batman the animated series and Superman and stuff like that, and oh. um, just like a bunch of cartoon stuff before his career took off. At least in the mainstream, he was always like a cult figure. He did tons of books that uh, had yeah. a cult following during the '80s, and this book is actually from '89. It's set in '89, and. The funny thing is the synthwave music was basically dead by 89. So
1: Yeah, so this really sounds like Carpenter 2.0, even though it's not Carpenter. Less meandering, I guess. And that's weird to say about John Carpenter. But it is by Jeff Grace. I don't know much about his career, but I just wanted to give his name because he did the score. score which is very interesting. There's piano, and then there's synth in the same track. So it's like piano, banging. there's like a high synth it's good it's very interesting and foreboding and like i said about the heartbeat there's that now let's get into the plot yeah this
0: is it you know it's based on a novel so it has that feel where it's constantly flowing into new things there's so many different layers as i get older i also enjoy that I like a lot of movies that are based on books, even though everybody goes, there's nothing like the book! Shut up.
1: I don't know if this is like the book or I not. I reckon bit, that but but it, you can feel... it's not as explicit as a book might be. Yeah, but you can feel the layers
0: as it changes. because It starts off as a simple break-in movie, and you know he defends himself, he kills the guy, and then it just keeps changing. You think maybe this is one... Not
1: just that, he accidentally killed right, the guy. Right, he right, doesn't yeah. necessarily mean to. It was like a clock went off and startled him yeah. into shooting the guy, and... Yeah, you think... They claim that the guy is this America's Most Wanted type character and he's not.
0: Yeah, it's it starts off as one of those things where you think, well, is this gonna be a drama about dealing with death, you know, or it's it gonna be about, you know, like gun control? What is this movie gonna be about? It goes from that and then it becomes a mystery movie where they're trying to figure out they're they're saying it's this guy he killed, but it clearly isn't him. And then it turns into
1: And the the father, hold yeah. on, the, the ex con father who just got paroled, comes after the guy who supposedly shot his son, and they're both under the... They believe that he shot his son. Yeah, it's. it's then it turns into, like, a revenge thriller. Like, almost a horror movie. And then it takes... Like, it. the stalker nature of it. Like, yeah. it's super creepy. Yeah, and then it switches again. And then it switches to the reluctant protagonist of this story, and a momentary villain team up and figure that that's not the sun that's been buried where's the sun and this is where don johnson comes in who is, if you want to talk, charming? Holy crap! Maybe steals the show. Maybe Honestly, steals the movie. Yeah, you're you're right because the late great Sam Shepard, who is always subtle, is really menacing when he's menacing, and then he becomes grieving and distraught once they figure out the plot, and then it becomes a western revenge story, yep. all with a synthwave soundtrack, which doesn't make any sense, but it works right? so well. It's
0: so weird. I think a lot of it's how he films it. Now, I I despise a lot of digital filmmaking. I know I sound like an old man. I don't understand why
1: th- you like the grit and grain of film. Yes, but also I like know. the
0: fact that movies are blurry. They're they're freaking blurry, especially if it has action in it. I can't tell what's going on. The film has like a ghost image and it's just like unfocused. Now, if you're a $30 million movie, there's no reason for that kind of crap. If you're a $5 million movie and that was the only way you're going to get green greenlit is because shooting on digital makes all the difference in the budget. Now, I will say this. Cold in July, it works and doesn't work. With the digital, there's a lot of blurriness to it. But there's no other way I can think of for the director. By the way, I haven't mentioned at all the guys who did this. Jim Mickle and Nick Damanichi. They're the guys who put this together. And they put together a really great TV show called Happen Leonard. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's phenomenal.
1: I haven't seen it, but I might want to watch it. Very tasty. Um, It's only eight episodes a season.
0: And uh, it's just basically the novels of Joe R. Lansdale. It's it's also the same guy. The the guy who wrote this book wrote that as well. And it's just these two guys on the edge of... Blue collar, almost borderline poverty kind of guys always seem to get themselves in these weird situations. I've only seen the first season, but it was jaw dropping good. Yeah, okay. So these guys had done Stakeland right before this, which is a.
1: Well, they had done Mulberry Street, which was their. I haven't their seen that one. Out of the gate. I have. Okay. Pretty good and tense and nice and very uh, low budget in a good way. Like they used what they could. Yeah. We are Stakeland. The, the, yeah. the
0: We Are What We Are was good. We Are
1: What We Are is a more. So this is what I know about this. It was a more feminine slant mm-hmm. slanted story and I haven't seen We Are What We Are okay. but after that they decided that they wanted to take on something that focused more on men Okay, and the relationships men have
0: but the way that he films it is it seems like it's the only way to get that look the way the lighting is, the way the styles... I didn't have the focus drag or the blurriness. I didn't have that issue. Now, how did you watch this? Because I have the DVD. I have the Blu-ray. See, I think that's the problem. The DVD just doesn't isn't up to snuff. And I'm going mm. to get rid of it and get the Blu-ray, because this movie's totally worth it. I saw that the international version came out in a VHS sleeve that looked like it was from 1984.
1: Wow. I want to get that's... that, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's a Blu-ray, but it looks like a VHS. You must have it, because nostalgia.
0: All right, I just want to. Well, even
1: the poster was
0: released, like an old photo poster. It's supposed to look. It's said 1989, but everything about it says 1982. It's very strange. Ah, uh,
1: no. I think it's appropriately 1989. No, no, in the promotion. Uh, in the promotion. Oh, in the yeah. uh, the promo materials? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie, though. Man, his mullet. So ugly.
0: Oh, my God, that's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs>
1: Michael C. Hall is the our protagonist. He is... it's such an interesting character he's actually doing a character and it's probably elby even said this for herself but i'm gonna echo it probably my favorite character portrayal that he's ever done because he seems like a guy who's way out of his depth every step of the way he doesn't seem like an idiot that's
0: why he has a doofus haircut and that silly mustache is that he seems like just a schlub
1: a dope that well no no i'm not gonna slam him like that he doesn't seem like a schlub he seems like an the way that every man emotionally yeah okay no just like an everyman like that was a thing my father-in-law had a perm at one point really yes the photo i if he ever hears this i'm sorry i'm not making fun of you the photo is ridiculous and he knows it that's why he doesn't like to talk hey, about it or show say it this the perm but, is still
0: gonna be better than my dad's comb over that whenever the wind picks up you go,
1: hello <laughs> no hello. no no i i don't i don't know my point is my father-in-law isn't an idiot either but this character reminded me of my father-in-law a little bit not just because of the hair but because of the well i i don't know nature of him that's a quote yeah. well I, I i don't know i just want to i just want to be cool i just want to chill i don't want to be riled up i don't want to any crazy situations and then suddenly he's thrust into this crazy situation so he just always seems out of his depth but not like uh to his detriment
0: right well, i mean it's the flip is when he pulls him off of the railroad track is when he decides he's in now and he's not yeah he's not, he's not backing out of this.
1: Right. And even even then, after that, he's still like, uh, I'm going with you. And they both look at him like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: makes it, it, it in a little bit, though. His old self kind of comes back when he's in the video store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, I can't believe that's Kurt Russell's kid. It just threw me off for a long time. When I saw that, I was like, really? And then you kind of see, especially in Overlord, you see, oh, yeah, right. obviously, yeah. Wyatt Russell. He's not in the he's, he's, he's coming he's, up. He's really good, yeah.
1: Now, he is the villain. And what the villains do... Holy crap. I'm just going to say I'm not going to talk about the content. They make snuff films and it's thankfully not involving children, but is that thankful enough? I mean, they involve women. So like
0: Well, like they put the te- other, but they also particularly no. choose women who have just come over the border, who aren't really well known in the country, they don't have identification. Nobody That's- will miss
1: them. Right. So they make snuff movies and then they at least at one point rent them out of their video store that they have. But it is a father needs to put down his son. Damn
0: it's such a heartbreaking scene. It's just, when the showdown finally comes, and I'm going to give, I mean, we're going to give away a lot, That's kind of what we do with this, so pause it. Yeah. But when he says, are you my daddy? And he goes, as far as I know, he went on this journey, and he still doesn't 100% know that's his son. That's such a strange thing.
1: Yeah, and then he pulls the trigger immediately after
0: and kills him. No, you know what? Hold on, no. He would have still killed him. Regardless, these are people who needed to be put down, but it's that extra little bit of him possibly being his son that is just the kicker.
1: Yeah, I don't think that he was really admitting to him not really knowing that that's a son. Yeah. I think that's more like him kind of maybe twisting a knife in some sort or being wry anyway. Mm-hmm. So, So, but yes, it's... Freaking, this movie is so heavy and good. And yeah, it is. The performance is just. It is all kinds of cinematic nourishment, yes. I suppose. But it's
0: also complicated. There's a thing I still don't 100% understand. So, the character that Wyatt Russell plays yeah. is they're faking his death because he's on the run from some mobsters on the East
1: Coast? Right? The Dixie Mafia are supposed to be some bad, bad boys. And he got pinched by the feds. And so, in order to not be sent up the hooskow, as I guess they say, he turned snitch. And part of his plea deal was witness relocation. So, as a relocated witness here in this northern Texas town is where he's doing all this snuff movie Yeah, but why don't the
0: cops know this?
1: The or thing th- that I was like, I think maybe they do. And they're part of it. They might be. So the cops never get their Or they might come-ups. not be. Oh. The cops, part. They definitely are protecting him because of witness protection. That was one way to just kill the guy and get him off the map. Okay. So they. Which I'm surprised they hadn't
0: already done
1: because clearly. Yeah.
0: Clearly, they have been doing this for. Oh, wait, hold on. Maybe his his son's a part of it. Ooh,
1: his son so, is. So, so is, is it, it one of the murderers? But but it has. He been, looks has into been, the camera with the it, baseball cap. Yeah yeah. Bat. But
0: it has been going on long before all of that, and he just joined that group. That would make a lot more sense.
1: Yeah, I, I really don't know. There's things that are questions. They are not plot holes. But yeah, this movie does give you the it answers. Does, yeah yeah. Yes.
0: Now that's the thing is, I keep going back to this movie and I keep adding more pieces in my head. I'm trying to figure this out. So uh, somehow the first time I watched it, I never even been caught i never even paid attention i'm not that good with this kind of stuff where i go back and collect it up till later Well, why they even tried to like have him killed or somehow i missed all of that and this last time i'm really trying to unravel all of it i guess we're getting too far into details but this yeah. is my choice of the four this it just blows yeah. me away every time
1: i i approve of all of them the least of which is no man's land yeah but thief i'm glad i got to see and of course the guest uh, i like more and more as i watch it the first time I watched it, I was just, it was kind of a shrug. Mm-hmm. Second time was much better, and now third and fourth time are I'm like totally, totally on board with it. I guess it's the mood that you watch them in, though. That's but true. Cold in July, I've always been floored by Cold in July. Yeah, it's just every one of those movies that, movie that somehow
0: I saw, I saw it on a red box, just like what is that? And looking at it, and I was like, Don Johnson's in a movie, like a theatrical movie. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah. Not that it was a big release, it was an independent movie. No, but it was. And, and just kind of, I think I found it the library of all places and i was like holy crap <laughs> this is amazing
1: yeah you're correct so there we go with some unlikely synthwave films at least one of them <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah it's a genre i think that's kind of wearing out now I feel like there's a lot of it's moving beyond like what we think of it's usually crime movies that are part of the synth wave now it seems like it's kind they, of moving into sci-fi
1: well you've, you did have sci-fi and they did that already uh, I mean you did have the genre thing as well with uh, the, what summer of 84 which yeah. I did not like I didn't like it. The same people no. did the, I was uh, mad at the, the end. Turbo Kid. Oof. Turbo Kid, they did, and it's the same sort of approach with the synth wave with that. Yeah, Fender um, Bender. There's a lot of people that are throwing back to horror movies or uh, dystopian sci-fi stuff, but the Blood Machines is a new one coming up with Carpenter Brute doing the music for it, which looks like a Blade Runner meets Guardians of the Galaxy meets uh, music video. So, I don't know how that's going to work. I'm interested in seeing it, but maybe it's the last hurrah of the Synthwave wave.
0: wave. Yeah, I feel like 80s... It hit its peak a couple years ago. I think it's going to move on to the 90s soon, which I'm not There thinking.
1: is a Japanese style of music called City Pop that is kind of like a chill version of Synthwave that is uh, making its way up, actually. Nah, I'm just Before. waiting for
0: Ska to make its fourth comeback, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> ska Wave! Well,
1: <laughs> there's a band called The Interrupters that's really giving it a go. Yeah. So,
0: So next episode is our Star Wars, what do you want to call them rip-offs or the shadow of Star Wars? What do you want? What do you want to say? Hey,
1: influenced by Star Wars? Shadow of the Empire Ooh, nice
0: um, So we're going to be discussing those Because we are getting to the In their book the last, It's not the last of Star Wars movies There's no way It's it's just going to no, focus I mean, on there's characters Or what? Or the last of the original TV characters shows from the Well, no, no I think the movies are still going to go But do you think they're going to focus more on the newer characters The younger ones from this last trilogy? There's brand,
1: no, there's a brand new trilogy being in the works somehow. So no more Skywalker Done No more Skywalker okay. Brand new
0: so, so yeah, I figured that's probably the best time to do that, is that's where our next uh, episode's going to be.
1: Yep, inspired by... Good night, everybody! Night! See, that was awkward. <laughs> Way to end it. Really
0: <laughs> this is amazing!